Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. For the non-Christian, this is the most heaven they will ever know. Let that sink in, by the way. Let that light a fire of urgency to reach the lost while there's still time. This is the most heaven they will ever know. This is as good as it gets, but not for the Christian. It's the opposite for the Christian. This is as bad as it's ever going to get. This is the most hell we will ever know, right here and right now. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Thessalonians. Have you ever heard the saying that suggests that earth is the closest to heaven that the non-believer will ever get? In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on the implications of this saying. In his study, you'll learn the importance of having a sense of urgency as you reach out to the hopeless and lost of this world. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. As he continues his message, judgment is coming. We as believers should be encouraged by and look forward to the coming judgment of God. Judgment is coming. It has to. The Lord is coming. He has to. What I want to do in our time together today is share with you from our text two reasons as to why it is that knowing that judgment is coming should be such a source of encouragement to us as Christians in these, the last days in which we're living. And the first one is in verses 6 and 7, and it's that God is just. Now, This presents a difficulty of sorts for some because it's hard to reconcile a God who is love with a God who is just. Perhaps you've had this conversation with someone that you've shared the gospel with, and it usually comes in the form of, well, if God is so loving, then why? And then you can fill in the blank, and you know what's coming. And in all fairness, that's not necessarily an easy question to provide an answer for. I want to share with you that which has helped me when I've come across questions like that. And I realize I run the risk of offering an oversimplification, as I do. But this is easily resolved. It's easily resolved when you see that if God did nothing concerning evil, then He would not be a God of love. And I'll explain it this way, by way of an illustration. Let's say you're in court, and you're seeing this trial, and you have on the witness stand, someone who is testifying to the crime, the horrific crime perpetrated by the alleged that perpetrated the crime. And you have a judge now that is sitting as judge, and he 
then looks at this criminal who has committed this unthinkable crime, and he doesn't do anything about it. That is an unjust judge. What about the victim that was victimized by this perpetrator who carried out this crime? That judge is unjust, and as such, that judge is unloving. If this was truly a just judge and a loving judge, this just judge would mete out righteous judgment. Here's another question that is often asked. If God is so loving, why does he allow evil and suffering to continue in this world? Well, you have to understand that this was not God's original plan. I remember as a young believer being asked this question by a non-believer, and they said, so why when Lucifer in heaven sought to exalt himself above God and his throne above the Most High, why when God cast him down to the earth, why, why did God do that? Why didn't he just fry him and start all over? Well, think about this. If he had done that, all of the heavenly host would have served him out of fear, not love. They would have had no choice. And so God, in his love, as a just God, wanted to give mankind a choice. That's why he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Of all the trees Adam and Eve could eat, and partake. But of this one tree, they were forbidden. Why did God do that? Because God's given them a choice. This is a just God who is a God of love. And so sin has to run its course, if you will. And now the choice is ours as to what we're going to do with the sovereignty that God has given us in our own free will. So I like how one commentator explained it. He said, a world in which justice was not done at last would not be God's world at all. You see how you can easily reconcile the two? God is just. God is love. It's not that God has love. No, God is love. But in order for God to be love, God must be just. Because if God is not just, God is not love. So why does this encourage us? Because there is coming a day, as Paul says, because God is just, because He loves us so much. And here we are in this evil and wicked fallen world, being victimized, if you will, by the evil in this world. There is coming a day, be encouraged, hang on, just wait, because God is going to settle the score. God is going to have the final word. I know I've shared this before. I hope you don't mind if I uh, share it again. I hope you don't tire of me sharing this, but this is the thing that keeps me sane, literally. That's not hyperbole. And I'll explain why I say that. As I see what's happening in the world today, I would go out of my mind were it not for this truth here in God's Word, that God is going to have the final word. 
I know I've shared with you and confessed to you that I yell at my TV a lot. I'm getting better. God's helping me with this. (laughs) But sometimes I'm watching the news coverage and I'm listening to this person (laughs) talk and I think to myself, are you kidding me? Did you really just say that? That... And here's the Holy Spirit, so gentle, so patient, has to be so patient with me, (laughs) just saying to me in that still small voice, no, 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 God's going to take care of that. (laughs) When? Soon. Not soon enough. Seems like they're getting away with it. Lord, how can you let them get away with that? It's so evil, I know. And don't, don't ever imagine God is in heaven going, I can't believe they said that. No. It's like we inform the Lord when we pray. They're called uh, informational prayers. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like God doesn't know, so we have to inform Him. Lord, do you know what happened on Tuesday? <laughs> Wait a minute. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's all-powerful. What, you, you're going to enlighten Him? Like God's up there going, I didn't know, I didn't know that. Well, Lord, what are you going to do about it? No, I, I know what's happening. I actually told you this was going to happen. Just, just wait. I'm going to take care of it. Yeah, but Lord, it, it seems like they're getting away with it. Not for long, not for long, because I am a just God. Here's a second reason the coming judgment should be a source of encouragement for us. It's in verses 8 through 10, and I realize this is going to sound like a firm grasp of the obvious, but heaven is forever. Well, think think about it. Heaven is forever and ever. It's for all eternity. Now, the reason I say it that way is because If heaven is forever, that means that earth is not. I know that's deeply profound, right? But no, think about it. That means that all the pain and the suffering will come to an end when Jesus comes and is glorified in His holy people. This is not going to last forever. Heaven is going to last forever. The Apostle Paul says it like this, the sufferings, the trials, the difficulty of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits. Peter talks about the momentary light trials, those difficulties in our lives, that momentary light This is pretty heavy. I wouldn't call it light. And it's going on for a very long time. I would certainly not call it momentary. But what he's saying is, is that in light of eternity, we go through this life as long and as difficult as it might be, it will not compare to the first 10 jillion years in eternity. I know jillion is not a number. Don't email me especially for those of you who are mathematicians. (laughs) I think you get the point. And by the way, there's no measurement of time in eternity, because it's not time, it's eternity. But the point is, is that 
we might live 70, 75, 80, 85 years here on this earth, not even to be compared with eternity. Because you know how long eternity lasts? Again, I know deeply profound, forever and ever and ever. In other words, this will come to an end. And in the end, God will have the final word. And this is why it should be such a source of encouragement to us, because the problem for us is that we get discouraged, even give way to despair in the suffering of this life as we wait for the Lord to return. And that's why the Lord must return. The Lord has to come. And until the Lord comes and judges those who are wicked with an everlasting destruction, and oh, by the way, parenthetically, let me say, hell is also forever. Oh, pastor. I heard about this book that was written by this guy, well-known author, that disputes that hell is not eternal. And it's a, a false teaching known as annihilationism, which is basically the belief that hell does not last for all eternity. Well, here's the problem with that, and there are many problems with that. But if heaven is not forever, then hell is not forever. And if hell is not forever, then heaven is not forever. It has to be both. If hell is not forever, that means heaven's not forever. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's everlasting. Hell is forever. I know that sends shivers up and down some people's spines, but it's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Jesus came and died on the cross so that no one would perish. It's not God's will that any should perish. And by the way, God never sends anybody to hell. God did not create hell for man. It is God's will that all should come to repentance. Hell was created for Satan and the fallen angels, the demons, not for man. I heard one say, and I really like the way he said it, if anybody goes to hell, they do so over Jesus' dead and resurrected body. You know that expression we use, over my dead body? It's like Jesus is saying, if anybody goes to hell for all eternity, it's over my dead and resurrected body. I came and I died so that you would not perish in hell for all eternity. So Paul is making it very clear here, I believe, that heaven is forever as is hell to also forever. Now, again, the problem that we have is that <laughs> what are we going to do until? Key word, until. I mean, it seems like, especially in these last days, that evil goes unchecked. And the world is waxing more and more evil with each passing day. And it's very grievous. You know, we, we have this saying, secular saying, ignorance is bliss. There's a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes that says this, with much knowledge comes much sorrow. And the point of that is, is that because we know what comes packaged with that knowledge of what's coming, it brings with it grief for us as Christians. And certainly we are living in very grievous 
times, and it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to see evil go unchecked and wax worse, seemingly with each passing day. Well, I want to draw your attention to Psalm 73. This is a psalm of Asaph. When we were going through the book of Psalms, this was one psalm in particular that we spent some time on, because this was a guy that basically had a crisis of faith. He almost lost his faith. And you know why he almost lost his faith? It's because he saw the prosperity of the wicked. And it was like God wasn't doing anything about it. And here he's living his life righteously, walking uprightly in integrity and purity, and he's watching the evil and the wicked prosper and go unchecked. And it messed him up (laughs) really bad. In fact, in the psalm he even says, I stayed away from my brethren because I didn't want to stumble them and mess them up, up either by sharing with them my struggle. It's like I'm walking uprightly and righteously in vain because I'm looking at the wicked and it's kind of like they have no problems. And my life is riddled with problems. So listen to what he says. He starts off verse 1, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, (laughs) my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. And here's why, verse 3, For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then, verse 16, he says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. And then, verse 17, key word, until. Listen, I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely, <laughs> You set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awakes. So, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. In other words, it wasn't until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, which by the way, is the best place to go, especially if you're struggling. And I realized, wait a minute, that's how it ends for them? I'm going from being envious of them to feeling sorry for them, because this is how it ends for them. Total paradigm shift completely changed my perspective. Because, see, as a Christian, I know how it ends for me. And how it ends for me, (laughs) well, this is as bad as it gets. For them, this is as good as it gets. And that kind of takes the edge off. As it's been said, for the non-Christian, this is the most heaven they will ever know. Let that sink in, by the way. Let that light a fire of urgency to reach the lost while there's still time. This is the most heaven they will ever know. This is as good as it gets. 
but not for the Christian. It's the opposite for the Christian. This is as bad as it's ever going to get. This is the most hell we will ever know, right here and right now, until that time, which (laughs) I truly believe, and I know you also believe, because we talk about it every week, until that day, which is soon and very soon, sooner than any of us, I truly believe, can even imagine when that trumpet's going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And I love it that the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonians, we saw this in chapter 4 in First Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another with these words. You know, this Thessalonian church at that time was suffering under the crushing weight of persecution. They were so downcast, they were so discouraged, And so Paul, a year after he writes the first letter, writes the second letter. Why? To encourage them. They're so discouraged. They're so discouraged. He's he's saying, be encouraged, because judgment is coming, because God is just, and heaven is forever. And this is not forever. This is only but for a moment. James says, our lives down here are just a vapor. You know, as I get older, I'm celebrating another birthday this year. It happens every year, right? So (laughs) you know you're getting old when you forget how old you are. And that happens now quite often. And so I have to go back and do the math and figure out, oh, wow. And it doesn't help when your children remind you. Uh, you know, how old you are. And then it's not so much that they say it, it's how they say it. It's not, you know, you're, you're getting older, it's you're getting really old. It just <laughs> out of the mouths of babes, kids say the darndest things, right? But as I get older, <laughs> one of the things that I'm realizing is I've got way more years behind me than I do in front of me, should the Lord tarry. I'm thinking about this because I was just reminded that this year in June is my 40th year class reunion. I don't want to go to it. (laughs) I don't want to go to my 40th year. 40 years! Anyway, enough of my problems. (laughs) But this is only temporary. It's only temporary. It's not going to last God is just. Heaven is going to last for all eternity. Be encouraged. God's judgment is coming. He's going to have the final word. He's going to settle the score. And then that's it. This world is a dark and depressing place at times. There's no denying it. But there is light. There is hope. That hope is Jesus. Jesus is alive is going to return to earth one day to rid it of evil forever. You can trust this. He's always been faithful and he always will be. Until he returns, though, Jesus has commissioned his followers to be his hands and feet right here in the middle of the darkness. Being a Christian is more than just words. It's actions as well. As you've learned in this study of 2 Thessalonians, every believer is called to live a godly life following that example that Jesus set long ago. 
you're asked to live selflessly, showing love in practical ways to others. This will be a witness to the world of the hope that exists in Christ. We're so glad you tuned in to In Spirit and Truth. We know that following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes it can be intimidating to share the gospel. With that in mind, we'd like to offer a simple guide that will help the ABCs of salvation. You can find these on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just take a look at the resources tab. This will explain why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We pray this is an asset as you shine for Jesus and share His hope. If you'd like more information about In Spirit and Truth or would like to connect with us, visit inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find more of Pastor J.D.'s messages there, too, and service times if you'd like to join us for church at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.